Wolf, get away from those sheep. Bollocks. You're listening to the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. Broadcasting from Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. Now, get ready for this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd. Welcome to this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we have with us Mary Kelleher, who is running for the Tarrant Regional Water District Board of Directors. Mary, we're certainly glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Mary. I'm not going to use your last name because I actually live in the city of Keller, and your last name's really <laughs> messing me up when I go to pronounce it. Now, first of all, can they not come up with a better acronym for the Tarrant Regional Water District Board of Directors? Because I'll be honest with you, when the shepherd first mentioned it, I wasn't listening properly, and I thought we were doing a podcast on waterboarding. But can you actually explain to the listeners what, what it is, its function? Well, they actually do have a have an acronym, and it's just basically TRWD, but it's commonly referred to as the Water District. The Water District's primary function is flood control. That's what started it all off, was flooding in downtown Fort Worth. And then they realized, people realized that the growing population needed, we needed to look more closely at our future water supply. So th- that was their their two primary functions, flood control and water supply. Got you. So now that you're running for the water board, and we probably should have started with this, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I've um, lived in Texas for many, many years now. I came here from Massachusetts, but I got here as fast as I could. Love Texas. My husband and I have a, a working cattle ranch on the east side of Fort Worth. We have um, 100 acres and we run, well, no, actually about 182 acres, and we run about 100 head of cattle. So you run 100 head of cattle. Do they all have names? Some of my favorite ones do. Uh, only the favorite ones get names, <laughs> so I, I get that. So of those 100 cattle, how many have names? Oh, well, I guess about 20. Do you have a favorite cow? Yes. Uh, what's the favorite cow's name? Oh, her name's Princess. Princess. Okay. Well, that that makes total sense. Total sense. Yeah. Now, I'm My- not being speciest, but they all look the same to me. They do. So I don't know how you'd give them different names. No, I, I don't either. I just give them numbers, I think. <laughs> well, I cow think number, that's... Cow number 47. But I think that's the way most ranchers do. They yeah. all have numbers. Yeah. I remember growing up whenever I was mowing the grass and we used to have cattle that went behind the fence... There was one cow that would come up to the fence because they knew we would dump the grass clippings back there. His number was 83. And 83 would always come up to the fence and I could pet him because he knew, hey, I'm getting some grass clippings here. But I never named him. Yeah. But And I say him. It could have been her. Yeah. I was a kid at the time. Yeah. I, I didn't know. So, Mary, you, the election's actually coming up on May the 1st, which is just under three weeks away. And you're running for something called an at-large seat. Can you explain what that is and the duties associated with that position? Yes. It's really interesting because water is nonpartisan. And so it has nothing to do with, with party. There's three positions up for grabs this time. And basically, well, there's seven people running for three positions, and the top three vote getters actually get a spot on the board of directors. So it's kind of an interesting. You're not really running against someone. You're just hoping to get in the top three. So there's three seats right now open. How many total seats are there? 
five. There's five, five people on the board. Okay, so this would be a big changeover then. I mean, you could see a majority shift if three like-minded people got into there with the two incumbents sitting there. You could actually see a major shift in this yes, with this that's, election. That's why this one is so important. That's what you're hoping for, yes, right? Yes, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> right. No, that makes sense. Now, you were on the water board before. This is nothing new for you at all. And you were on the water board from 2013 to 2017. And so basically you're running for that same position. So you spent four years on the water board. Then you left in 2017. Why did you leave? Well, I left because my term ended. Okay. But I did run for re-election, but I didn't win. And then I tried again in 2019, didn't win again. So I'm hoping the third time's going to be the charm. Third time's the charm. So in 2013 to 2017, was that one full term, four years? Yes. Now, you did actually mention, Mary, that you ranched along the Trinity River with your husband. Now, um, back in 2010, the Trinity River actually had a sudden rise and it flooded a huge chunk of your ranch. Now, can you tell us about that and how it actually ultimately got you involved in with the water board? Sure, it's a, a day I'll never forget it. In 2010, well, we're in floodplain, we knew that, and it had flooded in the past, but it was very manageable. The water came in slowly and receded quickly, so it wasn't an issue. Well, in 2010, the water came in in about 15 minutes, 12 are basically our 12 acres that we own, along with a lot of the property that we lease. We were waist high in Trinity River water, and we were my husband and I were swimming in it trying to save as many of our sheep as we could and I mean I to this day I still have nightmares and fire ants were clinging to us and we could feel snakes rubbing up against us and just to see their the look on my sheep their eyes when they went underwater and they never came back up the other thing that was horrible was we stayed underwater for about eight months that water didn't recede And I called my local um, elected officials for help and no one would help me. And I had always believed that your public, your elected officials were there to help you. And I found that it was the opposite way around and it made me mad and made me start researching. Uh, I researched the water district and learned that the water district is in charge of how much water is discharged from the lakes upstream. Once I was on the board, one of the engineers actually came out and said that they release water from the lakes to protect the property owners around the lake with no regard to the other property owners downstream. And I'm happy to say that once I was on the board, the water district's been able to keep that river in its banks since 2015. So we've had no no more floods since 2015, which is a great thing for all of us that live along the, uh, the Trinity River. So you say you had sheep. So basically, I could have went in there and saved the sheep since I'm the shepherd. That's right. Yeah, because <laughs> all you need is a podcast host calling themselves the shepherd. And I could have fixed all this. Yeah. I wish you had been there. No. Did you find there was a lack of trust issue after that with the animals? <laughs> well, they didn't want to go near water. <laughs> whenever, you know, whenever it rained and, you know, they would, yeah. they did. They kind of had post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I know I do. I, I, I have a abnormal fear of rain now because I don't know if my property is going to flood and what's going to happen. Right. No, that makes total sense. So moving on to something that's important to a lot of your hopeful constituents now, 
uh, should you be elected here in Tarrant County, is Panther Island. So can you explain what the Panther Island Economic Development Project is and the problems associated with it? And before you jump into that, I know that I interviewed Layla Carraway before, and she kind of talked about that, and that was a little bit ago. There's been some developments and changes in that, so can you kind of catch us up with what's going on with that? First of all, it's not an, it truly is an economic development pro- project, but it's supposed to be flood control project. And ironically, that's why Washington has stopped giving the Panther Island project any federal funding because they saw these glossy flyers of economic development and saw very little about flood control. So that's what stopped their federal monies. It came about in, in the early 2000s when the Corps of Engineers recommended that the levees along the Trinity in Fort Worth be raised, and that would have cost a, about $10 million to do that. Well, I imagine somewhere in a back room in, in Fort Worth, some of the establishment people came up with this Trinity River Vision Project, which would be basically to cut, to divert the Trinity River and uh, cut a bypass channel and remove the levees that had, have protected us from flooding since 1949 and make it into an island kind of like a, a river walk which the idea is great but the not on the taxpayers taxpayers dollar right and so part of the idea was that like san antonio river walk it was hey we're gonna have concerts we're gonna have shops we're gonna have this beautiful place for you to come down and do some shopping or whatever so you get the public behind it and say oh here's somewhere we can go and here's a new activity in fort worth but it was kind of under the guise of flood control and that's how the the government money kind of got initiated into it right yes exactly and every major flood control project the corps of engineers requires a a feasibility study or kind of like a cost benefit analysis to see if it's worth it back in 2000s the um, congresswoman Kay granger went ahead and, and managed to get the requirement for that study waived so one was never done on that pro on that flood control project. And shortly after money started coming in, Congresswoman Kay Granger um, managed to get her son placed as the director of this project, even though he has no experience in any kind of water project. He's actually a lawyer. I, I don't think that Washington's going to authorize any more money for Panther Island be, until a feasibility study would is completed. The federal government offered $1.5 million to do a feasibility study, and the water district turned it down, stating that they don't think they need a feasibility study. Okay, we need to make a note there. We need to do feasibility studies on water projects, because if we can make $1.5 million doing that, we can just quit doing right. the podcast. Yeah, I actually took the, when I was reading about Panther Island, I took it literally and thought it was a kind of Tiger King situation going on. But can you let us, um, well, let the listeners know, Mary, kind of roughly how far behind this project is and how outside of the existing budget, just in terms of let people know what a maybe insurmountable kind of a... Yes, back in, in in early 2000, instead of raising the levies, which would have cost about $10 million, the Panther Island Project or Trinity River Vision Project went ahead and, and the estimated cost of that project was $435 million. Well, fast forward to where we are now, the cost is now at $1.2 billion. And part of the project involved three bridges over dry land, 
One bridge has finally been completed after six and a half years of building a simple bridge. Well, it's not a simple bridge. It's a, a very, uh, J.D. Granger wanted a signature bridge, so that's what he got. And the Golden Gate Bridge took four years to build, and this simple bridge cost six, took six and a half years to build. And not one single panther to show for it. Yeah, that's kind of depressing. Yeah. Because it would be kind of cool if they just had panthers walking around on this well, island. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of yeah. what I picture. And, of course, we talk about the nickname of Fort Worth being Panther City and all that. But it would be much cooler, like yeah. you say, yeah. that if there were panthers walking around on the island, like a, a panther petting zoo. It would have probably been better use of the money at this point. Yeah. yeah. Think of all the panthers you could actually buy for $1.2 billion. Right. Yeah. That's got to be like, what, yeah. 1.2 million panthers? Yeah. Well, I mean, Mary, they're, they're, I, they're like <laughs> 10 grand a piece. Well, right? I don't know if you knew that there's actually more tigers in captivity in Texas than there are in the whole of the wild of the world. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, and so wow. we're, we're not exaggerating about the panther thing. We actually think it would be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Could yeah. you, could you get a it. seeing eye panther? I mean, we, we could help the blind community in... Oh. Then just have people show up and adopt these panthers on this island, well, and they could be seeing eye panthers. Well, maybe give it a few trial runs at first, and maybe with people who don't have enough money to hire a lawyer to sue us if it goes wrong. Well, no, we don't want to put our names on no, this. We we'll no, just be silent partners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you made a statement when you announced you were rerunning for the board, and I hope I've wrote this down correctly. It said, I believe we still need fiscal responsibility transparency, true flood control, and water supply planning in Tarrant County. Now, what parts of that do you think are not really being addressed at the moment or haven't been since you left? Definitely the fiscal responsibility. There was a study done, an independent study was done by a corporation called Riveron. They're basically, they came up with their three biggest problems with the Panther Island project was uh, fiscal responsibility, fiscal management, transparency and then just the management and the recommendation was to remove jd granger from that project because he it was hurting the project unfortunately he's still on the project right so do you think um during the time you're away from the board that they actually lost focus during your absence and possibly switched to less urgent areas like the panther island or were there outside influences involved, do you think, that actually changed how you left it? I kept tabs. I keep tabs on the water district. I've kind of, I've turned into a water nerd, kind of, and I really like to um, follow the water district. And it's still too lopsided. When I was on the board, it was usually four to one, four to one. And now um, there is one one board member who is asking questions, thank God. So that's that's encouraging but it's still four to one. It's going to take a major shift. If anything's going to come about positively for the for TRWD and the Panther Island Project, it ha we have to have a board or a majority that is willing to ask the tough questions and actually have conversations. Um, it's unfortunate to, to know that the majority, before I got on the board, there were over 600 unanimous votes on agenda items. And 
I mean, five people always coming to the same decision. I mean, my husband and I can't decide what to eat for dinner. And so walk us through what happens in a board meeting. I mean, it, is this something that's open to the public, first of all? It is open to the public, but it's done at nine o'clock in the morning when most people are working. So it, on an average board meeting, how many members of the public are sitting out there? Very few, I'm very, guessing. Very, very few. I look at it as a consumer of water. I mean, I look at my water bill and I say, okay, city of Fort Worth sends me a water bill. I got to pay for water. I got to pay for sewer. And for some reason, I got to pay for garbage collection in my water bill. And whatever they send me is what I'm supposed to pay because I'd like to keep water running into my house. And nobody really gets too upset until their water bill goes up. And we're going to go into that here in a minute. But why is there so much disinterestedness in what's going on with this other than, you know, this 9 a.m. meeting? I mean, can the board turn around and say, hey, like city council, let's do it at 7 o'clock on a Wednesday or, or something like that? Or is it more like kind of the term limits? Like, oh, we can't pass term limits because then we get voted out of office. So kind of the same thing. We don't want to change our meeting time because we might actually get some people to show up and voice their opinions. They're, the board does not like people coming in, and, and there is a, a com public comment time, and they're given three minutes, and I never saw the hugest stopwatch placed on the wall, and they couldn't wait for the three minutes to be up because they didn't want to listen to the people. I managed to get a lot done, even being the minority vote, because people came to me with ideas, and I put them to the board, and we passed such things like people tube in that Trinity River. And it was only tested, the recreational areas in the TRWD areas were only tested once a month. And I asked for it to be tested weekly. So now all recreational areas are tested weekly. People get have a right to know what they're getting themselves into when they get in that river. One 4th of July party, I had to threaten to go to the news um, because the E. coli levels were so high that they didn't want to cancel the event because of you know the money that it would generate. But they eventually did cancel it, but that's just not right. Yeah, I, I always remember the joke growing up, you know, I grew up around here, that you want to get cancer, go catch a fish out of the Trinity River and eat it because it's mm. so polluted and so nasty, and now you have people floating around in it. I'm not saying you're going to get some kind of disease from that, but that's obviously different than eating a fish that you catch out of that river. But I can see that point of actually wanting to test that water, you know, weekly, so to speak. Definitely needs to be. And um, we also managed to get all of those results posted on the TRWD website, along with um, the, I was able to get all of the meetings live streamed so now they're live streamed if you want to watch them live or you can go back and watch them at a later date so that increases people's ability to actually see what's going on at that agency i i can imagine that would probably be more interesting than episode eight of star wars <laughs> i i would actually probably yeah. watch one of those meetings versus watching right. episode eight do they take minutes in those meetings and they're available for public record or is that kind of something which most people don't know about that they can kind of read what's going on if they actually have an interest? Sure, they can They can read the minutes. I had a couple of issues with them not 
putting things into the minutes that were said. No, you can't throw that softball now. So, so what happened there with stuff getting expunged, if I'm using that word correctly, from the minutes? I asked for them to be corrected, and, and they were, but they would do it again. And usually it was information that I brought forward that nobody wanted to talk about. Mm. So I had to constantly review the minutes and then ask to have them revised. But you as a board member, that shouldn't have been your job, right? Oh, no, that shouldn't have been my job. I'm, I didn't know anything about politics when I first got involved in this. And my first few board mem- meetings at executive session, they laughed at me. They made fun of me. Actually, the first couple board meetings, I left in tears because really? I just... Uh, I didn't know if I could take it. And my husband said, you're strong. You get in there and you fight back. And that's what I did. I started um, fighting back and standing my ground. And they tried to exclude me from um, one of the executive sessions because they didn't want me to hear what they were talking about. And I refused. I sat my my butt in the chair and I refused <laughs> to get so up and leave. Walk us through what this executive session is. Because I'm kind of confused because I figure, okay, well, the water board's up there. They're doing their thing, right? But now you have this other executive session, so to speak. So walk us through what the difference is there. During the board meetings, we review an agenda and we we take votes on the agenda. But there's certain topics that aren't, uh, they could be sensitive in nature that nobody that the public shouldn't really hear about, usually lawsuits, things like that. So that's what's discussed in um, executive sessions. And so who's involved in the executive session? All of the board members and then legal counsel for TRWD would be there and the general manager, assistant general manager, some of the higher up staff would be in there. Like myself, I'm guessing a lot of our listeners don't really understand how much is really decided at county level how much influence there is from the state as a whole and then how much influence there is maybe federally does um, the whole process take place without much outside interference or is it something which you've always got to take into account maybe state changes federal changes all of that is taken into consideration this agency is a is a different agency it's a quasi-governmental agency and Part of the problem is there's no real agency above them. So there's really a, there's a lack of oversight, which allows them to pretty much do whatever they want as long as they have a board that's willing to push things through. Yeah. Now, I mean, the recent snowmageddon thing here in Texas highlighted that the state certainly has some deficiencies when it comes to dealing with emergencies, especially with regard to utility services. And here in North Tarrant, we had a water boil notice for almost a week because of possible contamination. Now, can you explain what happened there and how it maybe could have been avoided? Sure. The, the Water District actually did a, an excellent job during the winter event. Basically, their role is to provide the raw, quality raw water, which they did. Where the problem came in is we the Water District sells that water and the treatment facilities that were treating that water um, lost power and they weren't able to treat it effectively. So that's what ended up having that's why you had to be boiling it and had to treat it now i'll be honest with you i didn't end up boiling any water i just drank it as normal because i grew up in england and (laughs) drinking the water in england i figured there's nothing that can contaminate the water here which will even 
rival the water I used to grow up drinking. Well, and I grew up drinking out of a water hose anyway in right. the backyard. Yeah. So I figured, okay, you know, no yeah. big deal. And I've drank water in streams and everything else. So I wasn't that worried about it. Yeah. But honestly, the news and everything said don't even shower in it. I'm thinking, really? I've mm. got soap all over myself. What? Why is this going to, gonna, yeah. yeah, why is this going to affect Probably me? Probably should have listened to the warning before you got in the shower, really. Yeah, well. But the shepherd and I are also trying to lose about 10 pounds of weight, so we figured if we got E. coli, it might kind of speed the process. <laughs> yeah, up. that that did yeah. kind of work. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I've been curious about with, uh, especially here in Tarrant County, there's been a lot of talk about the water bills all of a sudden going up. And this actually happened to me. We, uh, you know, always pay our bill on time. Everything was basically status quo with the exception of last year. I messed up my sprinkler system and forgot to plug it in. And I didn't run my sprinkler system at all last year because I'm not lazy. But my water bill went up. And my wife's saying, why is the water bill up? We're not doing anything differently. And you say the sprinkler system's broke. Spoiler alert, I've just unplugged it and forgot to plug it back in that's why it wasn't running and then our water bill goes up we go to the city or the water board or whoever it is and said hey what's going on and they actually came out they said oh you have a new water meter that's more accurate and we said okay so i went to the little water meter deal opened it up and realized nope same water meter they lied and then they came back and said, oh, well, no, we didn't replace this, but it's still accurate. So what is somebody supposed to do with something like that? Is that a, a waterboard kind of deal where I could show up at nine in the morning on this and complain about it? Or am I screwed? Basically, you're screwed. The water district has no jurisdiction over, over that. Although a lot of people need don't know and need to know that a lot of the water that originates here and is treated is sent into the Trinity River. And that water goes down to Richland Chambers and Cedar Creek, and it sets there in, the, in those reservoirs until we need it. There's The water district uses a pipeline, about 250-mile huge pipelines, to pipe that water when we need it. It comes from us, but we send it down to East Texas, and then just to pump it back uphill to us. So you can just imagine the electricity bill that is associated with having to pump that water uphill. And you know, y'all are, we are, we're all paying for that. Right. And that's another thing that I really wanted to um, talk about too, was the TRWD has some very, very talented staff. And one of the engineers there had been always dreamed of having aquifer storage recovery in our area and aquifer storage recovery is a concept it's basically a well where let's say we have a lot of rain uh, surplus rain and, and the water can actually be injected into that well where it can be stored underground for future use so it would be here locally so we, it would eliminate the need to pump it all the way from east texas i did manage i pushed for that and we did get a pilot project on the east side of fort worth so they're they're trying that now and there's other alternatives to piping water and i'd like to see the the water district has such talented staff i wish they'd kind of think more out of the box and use different methods 
there's too much dependency on pipelines, I think. Now, I know, Mary, you were a little bit polite there and you didn't ask the shepherd why, if he hadn't been running the sprinkler system all summer, did he not notice his entire yard was dead? Oh. Well, that's um, partly because, like, the lady who works in the office next door, she's got a plan every time she takes a few days off work or a week off work, the shepherd is responsible for watering it, and every time she comes back, it's dead. So now oh. she's nicknamed the plant Lazarus because it's had to bring bought back to life about six times this year already. That is true. And the other benefit of not watering your grass is you don't have to mow it as much. Yeah. And you know how lazy I am. So I figure if I don't water the grass, I don't have to mow it as much. Well, last time, well, actually, the only time you actually watered it is when we had the snow and you just got a bunch of snow from outside and put on top of the soil. Yes. And hoped it would melt and water the plant yeah that yeah. that didn't work but we weren't sure if it was dead because of the cold or dead because of lack of water at the time yeah. yeah well the good news is i lost like two or three bushes due to that texas snowmageddon that we had and now i don't have to worry about those anymore yeah. but i'm probably certain i'm supposed to take those dead plants out and get rid of them but yeah, i'm not gonna do that no, you set, no how you get rid of them you just set fire to them pour some gas out of them set fire to them you just stand there with water hose, and when it gets too close to the bottom, you just kind of extinguish the fire, and then you just get a small hacksaw and just cut off the bottom of the roof. Yeah, but couldn't I take, like, one of these fake ficus trees and just, like, glue those leaves to the plant and make it look like it's alive? Yeah. Because, you know, the HOA police are going to come by and say, that's dead, <laughs> but I could cut those off and just kind of glue it to yeah. there. Like, tell my kids it's an art project yeah. for school. Make them do it, because I'm not going to get out there and do it. Right. And then I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Now, have we ever been really close in Texas to a shortage of water as such? I know we get water warnings sometimes when we go through long, hot summers, but is that really more precautionary? Are we ever really that close to just not having water as a utility in our long summers? Our aquifers are dangerously low. And it is it is true that we are in danger if we don't act proactively. You know, we're joking about the your plants dying. It's called xeroscaping, where you plant trees that are native to the area that are hard to kill but will stay alive. Getting back to the aquifers, if you think about it, all of these aquifers have like straws in them and we're sucking out water, but we're not putting it back in. And unless we start recharging these aquifers, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, we will not have enough water if, if we don't keep conserving it and having different plans on how to store it when we ha- when we do have an abundance of it. One thing that just came to my mind, it, you have this ranch out there. Are you on well water or are you on, you know, city, county water? We have a water well. Okay. Walk us through the difference of well water versus city water. It's a lot cheaper. That's for sure. Right. I've always heard that well water has a funny taste. It does have a funny taste and and we have added a little bit of bleach goes in into the water well to remove some of the smell our water well used to have used to be delicious when I first moved out there. It was wonderful water, but we had a, another issue that happened was a gas well was fracked not too far from our our water well, and it came up contaminated with high levels of arsenic. You know, I, I don't know what I'm drinking. No, now. You, you weren't trying 
trying to secretly get your husband to drink more of this <laughs> arsenic water, right? No. Uh, we, we won't hold you to that, but uh, I could see my wife saying, yeah, wait, we're going to get well water. There's a lot of arsenic in it, but you can survive. None of the rest of the family is going to drink any of this water, but if you're going to drink water, you're going to drink the arsenic water. I think she would do that to me. In Texas, we're exempt from some of the overbearing communist rules in some other states like collecting rainwater right in texas you are allowed to collect your own rainwater or is that false for now you are able okay. to correct to collect your own right. rainwater but you know moving forward that everyone's saying right now that water's the new gold and i know that the the government would love to get their hands in it yeah. to uh control all the water whoever controls water is going to be the the top dog. Yeah, because I have a friend who moved to California from Texas. He lived in Texas his whole life till about 10 years ago. And he put out some type of basin to collect water. And the police were actually called around. And wow. they were going to charge him. But he had to explain, look, I've only been here like two months. I had no clue, etc. But I mean, that's... Well, me, yeah, that's but ridiculous. let's also look at the fact of his intelligence to move from Texas to California. Well, that's true. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. usually the other way around. So yeah. he's the 0.5% of people that actually go the opposite way. Right. So yeah. I'm I'm not going to put yeah. too much countenance into what he's doing. Yeah, now he can't even use a straw to actually suck the water up anyway. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, or use a plastic bag from the grocery yeah. store to try to collect the water. Yeah. Just as long as it gets through those 10 disposable masks a day, that's all that Yes, yeah. yeah. That's got to be tough for him. Now, so this time around, Mary, do you think you'll face the same kind of red tape issues as you had before? Or do you think your experience and the other people on the board knowing you've had that experience will make life easier to kind of hit the ground running this time? I think so. I've I've grown a lot. When I came in, I I had guns a-blazing. I have to admit that. And... I have toned it down a lot and realized that I have to play well with others. I still speak my mind. Um, I think it's important as a board to discuss everything, not just blanket past things. So I think towards the end of my term, we had a pretty good relation. I had a good relationship with, with most of the board members. So I think if I get elected again, I'm, I will just be able to step in and and go. How can you get more people to show up for one of these special elections? You know, voter turnout is always a big deal in politics. And I know this is a non-political position or non-partisan, I should say. But how do you get people to show up and say, you know what, this is important. And the elections on May 1st, it's a Saturday, not going to be a lot of people showing up. So it ought to be a pretty short line. How do you get people to get out there and say, look, this is important. Just study everybody, make your picks, and take five minutes and just do this on your way to Taco Bell? Well, I think what y'all are doing is helping towards that goal. It, it's a lot about giving people more information, more information about what the water district actually does. So many people don't even know what it is other than that they pay taxes to it and they're probably grateful that it's the lowest taxing agent on their property tax bill. But I think it's word of mouth and this snow, that winter event made everybody realize that water is so precious that we we can't live without it. And hopefully just with word of mouth, we can educate and inform about the importance of the water district and just general voting, how important it is to 
vote. I mean, I know when we talked about interviewing you, I kept calling you the waterboard lady. <laughs> I kept telling the wolf, hey, we're going to interview the waterboard lady. And he said, well, waterboarding in Guantanamo Bay <laughs> sounds absolutely fantastic if you don't know what either of those terms mean. I kind of felt when I first got on the board that I was being waterboarded. <laughs> Well, that's apropos for the waterboard. I mean, it, that's not a requirement, by the way, right? When you get in there, right. they don't waterboard you just to say, hey, you're on the waterboard. Let's waterboard you <laughs> no, real don't. quick just so you know what that is. I mean, that would be terrible. Now, I do think Although I would like to waterboard the wolf. I can hold my breath for a long time. It won't work. No. Well, and then we got to find water. Yeah. All we true. have is beer. Yeah. We just have alien ale beer <laughs> around here, yeah. and I'm not going to waste that on yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to drink it up my nose. Um, so I do think that with, you know, COVID last year and the initial water shortages with people buying up all the bottled water and, you know, with Snowmageddon this year, people are a little bit more cognizant of the value of water here, which I think they mostly probably ignored before because we haven't really, even in some of the longest hot summers here in Texas in the last 20 years, had too many kind of warnings people have taken heed of like oh be careful with water everybody's still watering their yards and you know showering all the time except for me i don't like doing that but <laughs> do you think now that it might be a little bit more of a public interest to actually you know have a little bit more concern about who's on the board and how much is proactively going to be done i hope so a lot of people still don't know what the water district does but the more information gets out about it, I think the more interested people do become. The Water District is one of the most important local elections. And I, I hope after hearing this podcast, listeners will be more interested in, in the Water District election. You just heard just the basic of what the Water District does. And I encourage anyone wanting to know more about it to contact me. I do answer all emails and phone calls, unlike many other elected officials. I represented the people with pride honesty and transparency. I asked uncomfortable questions and encouraged discussion amongst board members. There's a lot more work that needs to be done on that board. And if I'm elected, I will serve your best interests, not the interests of the establishment. I'd love to hear from you. Um, my phone number is 817-880-5419. Or you can find me on Facebook just under Mary Kelleher. Thank you. Mary, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. We certainly appreciate you taking some time out of your day to telling everybody about the waterboard and how all of that is important. And thank you listeners for joining us and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, thewolfandtheshepherd.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes when you get a chance. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for additional content. Join us next time for another episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd. Ooh.